What is up, everybody, and welcome to Sitting with Sean, episode number 40, brought to you by the Antisocial Network. Today, I've got a really awesome guest, a good friend of mine from back when I was in the Army, David Smith. How you doing, Dave? How's it going, brother? Not bad, not bad. Just hanging out, man. I decided to change venue, so I'm not going to be downstairs in my office. I'm up here. A little bit better lighting. You can see my ugly mug. <laughs> so I've known David for for some time now. We go back to like 2014, yeah. Yeah, 2014. Yeah, yep. yeah. David's been been an awesome friend of mine. He's super, he's he's working on on that success portion right now, and we wanted to talk about you know some of the things that he has been through in his life and where he's at now and what he's doing. So, uh, David, would you like to give a formal introduction of yourself? Yes, sir. Hello, guys. I am David Smith, uh, originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and then went on to Fort Bragg for my career in the Army, and now I am here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It's yeah. nice to meet you guys. I have a wife, Nicole Smith, and my three, my three boys, Jay, Carter, and Ryan, and my baby girl, Layla. Yeah, yeah. They, he, he's been all over the place. You've been a little bit of everywhere. A little bit of everywhere. Yeah, when I when I first met you, you had that, that Louisiana accent, man. Yeah, she she kind of helped pull that away from me a little bit. But whenever I go home, it still pops out every once in a while. It comes out. It comes out that deep, that deep southern twang, man. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, so David, what are you doing now, man? What are you doing now with your life? Well, it was really interesting, man. I just got out about two months ago. So November 28th was my last day in the army. And now I am working for the Hilton Grand Vacation Club in Myrtle Beach on the Grand Strand. Uh, I'll be selling vacation club packages and any type of musical cruise, uh, we have a lot of different packages, so if you have anybody that wants to come get one, come on by. <laughs> Definitely. I think I'm going to be taking you up on that offer, man. I'm really excited. I need a vacation myself. Hey, man. Uh, you- yeah, I, well, I've been down to Myrtle Beach one time for like two or three days, and really? it was absolutely stunning, yeah. You were here that whole time, and you only came once? Yeah, man, you know... <sighs> life was what it was it was a at that time it was just a party for me and i didn't really care about like you know seeing things and taking things in you know yeah that's fair enough i can say i can say when you back when you met me uh i was a little bit more wilder and i have calmed down quite a lot since then uh kind of kind of got forced to not by not by family or anything like that, but by, you know, just growing up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I remember times this man would grab a guitar and just start playing and singing. And I was like, man, that's awesome. I wish I could do that. Hey, and look, now you can play. Now I can play. Yeah. Yeah. One step at a time. Yeah. Well, this, this man, this man had, had, had zero, um, zero care in the world when it came to like you know feeling that sense of embarrassment like i would have been super embarrassed to grab a guitar and start playing and singing not david man i tell you i tell you one thing i pride myself in is i'm not afraid to put myself out there anywhere i'm, yeah. I'm the 
I'm the social guy, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I like definitely. to make other people happy, if that makes sense. I'm the I'm the person I don't like to see other people upset. So if I walk into a room and I see a bunch of people that are uh, mopey and gropey, man, that ain't flying with me. We got to change that quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that, man. He, you've always been able to lift my spirits, man. I really appreciate hearing you say that. That, yeah. that makes me feel good, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, David reached out to me and said, I want to share my story, and I'm actually really excited to hear it. I've never heard it, so I want to hear it. David. I have have quite a wild one. I hope you're ready to keep up. I am, dude. I'm here for the ride. Let's do it. What was it like in your active addiction and, like, mental health stuff going on? Okay, so let's start with the addiction, right? So the addiction started well before... The Army, Nicole, family, anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the addiction started, I was working offshore at the time. And uh, I believe I was in Panama, in the co- on the coast of Panama at the time, working on a boat. And I had broken my foot on the ship. And they started feeding me Vicodin, man. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it was like candy to me at that point. It was to the point where I was going through a bottle and a half a day. And uh, I finally had gotten so bad that my entire face was taped in. I was, I was 100 pounds soaking wet, man. And my life had just completely gone off the rails. I was... I was making more money than I knew what to do with it because I was working offshore mm-hmm. and I was just kept supplying it, kept feeding it, kept feeding it. And man, I, I, I had a really tough time getting away from it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it was to the point, man, we were just speaking a little bit earlier before we came on about uh, a big influence in my life, my uncle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... My uncle that passed away, it was at this point, I had just gotten kicked out of my apartment for being about three months behind on rent. Uh, And I had nowhere to go. I couldn't call my mom uh, because, you know, that's not going to happen. You can't can't call your parents in that situation, man. It's like asking for... Uh, a handout, you know what I mean? It's how I I felt. And I finally had become homeless. I was living underneath a bridge. I had been there for about three days in Natchitoches, Louisiana. And my uncle happened to be driving underneath the overpass that night and saw me. And pulled his truck off the side of the road in front of me and said, you don't have an option. If you don't get inside this truck, something bad is going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. So I said, all right, I guess I have no choice. I got in the truck with him. He didn't tell me where we were going. He didn't say anything to me for about three and a half, four hours. He didn't say a word. And 
he said, right at the end of the trip, right before we got to where we were going, he said, uh, David, you don't have a choice this time. Yeah. Let me take care of the rest of this. Let me, uh, let me talk to your stepdad and figure out those, that part of your life. Because my stepdad is a raging narcissist. Yeah. Uh, and he knew how I was with my stepdad. We did not get along. He, he tried to control me. I didn't like that. So uh, he tells me, you're going to stay here. And we're going to get you where you need to be. I don't care how you got to do it, David, but you got to do it. And I walk in and my mom doesn't even look at me. She just tells me to go to the back of the room. And for the next four days, I stayed in that room. I did not leave it except to use the restroom. And I literally withdrawed for four days straight to the point where I was clawing my skin off. There was throw up all over the room. And I had to literally, I scrubbed every inch of the room. Uh, and after I finished scrubbing, I opened the door and I said, Mom, I'm, I'm going to get a job today. And she told me, okay, well, start slow. You're not going to be able to get anything. And I walked outside and I walked two miles down the road and I went down every business on that strip. Now remind you, I look terrible at this point. I'm completely skin and bones, man. Yeah. And the only clothes that I had at the time were size medium. So everything was swallowed. Yeah. And I show up to all these businesses looking like this, you know, I'm thinking to myself, there's no way I'll ever get hired by anyone. Uh-huh. But I went down and I put in application and application. And after about 25 applications, I was at my last place, literally the last place I was going to. And then I was going home and I walked inside and I said, ma'am, listen, I've been down every place on this trip. I'm just trying to find somebody that will take a shot on me and let me work. I will be the hardest worker you've ever had. Just let me prove it to you. And the lady looked at me and she said, hold on, let me go get my mom real quick. And this older lady comes out and she says, uh, what's your name? She said, okay, come sit down real quick. We sat down and she she tells me tell me your story tell me tell me why you're here right now you want We might have lost him. He might have hit a job, a dead zone. Okay. We're here.
know who's working with this. So I tell her the full story. I tell her everything from the addiction to everything. And a lady looks at me and she said, all right, go put your shirt on. Let's go. And I drinking a little bit mm-hmm. but you didn't know me how how much better before I met Nicole yeah uh, I was in Cuervos tonight and when, when Nicole met me she said uh, if you want to do with me you gotta stop drinking like this and I had a handle and she said uh, you want to be with me you gotta stop drinking like this. I said, okay. Yeah, I want a stroke and I'll, I'll be done forever. And she said, sure. And I grabbed a hand and I followed her. Wow. And she looked at me and she was like, that's not what I meant. I was like, well, that's what I meant. And yeah, uh, it was a hard road, man. We've had several instances in our marriage where alcohol is crept back in and it's just not it's not a good situation with me so now i just distance myself from it uh if i do have a drink it's very very seldomly uh and if i do have a drink at all it's very light drink it's like a mixed drink or something like that nothing crazy uh but man these things had a had a real grip over my life and to a certain degree, they still, they still affect. You know, I'm, I still have there. Every one of us does. It's, there, there are other cancer medications that I could be taking, but they're killing. I don't want. It allow myself to be able to be put in that situation again. Yeah. So I try to pray from being around that stuff. Even when I go into the room, I agree to have a, a freaking smell to the size of a grapefruit removed. And and the doctor asked me if I wanted painkillers, and I said no. And yeah. I was in a, a shift. Yeah, we lost him. He had a, a dead zone. Um, he'll be back very, very shortly. Um, but yeah, um, he has a pretty storied history with addiction. Um, yeah, I'm probably gonna edit this out.
Um, the heck. Yeah, I don't know. I can edit that out. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. Uh, I got perfect signal over here, but hey. Anyways, uh, yeah, man, addiction is still a, a real thing that I, I live with and struggle with still to this day. It's, I, I believe that once you've been there, you know, I don't think it ever really fully goes away. I think still a part of you still still wants, still seeks that in the back of you somewhere. But me personally, you know, I just try to distance myself away from it. Yeah, I know that, like, there's a lot of friends that I have that, you know, say that they miss it and say that they, you know, um, but they know that it's not good for them. Right. Um, right. And, and, man, that's the thing. I don't miss it. I don't miss it at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I know I remember the bad times that came after it. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I know it sounds crazy, but like I remember the withdrawal more than the entire time I was addicted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Come, coming down off of whatever substance you're on, whether it's alcohol, pills, harder stuff, that is the worst. That is okay. worse than the actual use. Oh, man. I, I can't tell you just, it was so brutal and, and I wasn't feeding myself right because, you know, I had been on pills for so long that I wasn't eating correctly. So man, now I'm like literally to the point of the shakes and my whole body shaking all over the place. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's bad, but that's, that's what that, that's what that shit will do to you, bro. Oh, I, most definitely. I do want people to realize just how easy it is to to get stuck in that. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, oh, they were just destined for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but what people don't understand is there's more people getting killed every day from opioids than, than sharks, than you, you name it. You, you car accidents. There's more people dying per year every day from opioids and drugs than there are from car accidents. Yeah. It's insane. And and I don't think that people realize just how easy it is to get addicted, man. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think... But I, I feel like there's a negative stigma around it that people don't understand. Like, yeah. uh, especially when you tell somebody that you used to be addicted to something, it's always the same face, man. It's always that, uh, that, that kind of face of like, I'm better than you. The self-righteous look, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and that stigma needs to stop that yeah. that's got to quit. 
because there's too many men out here that are trying, too many men and women out here that are trying to get through their their demons. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. you talked you talked earlier. Or you just said that um, about how quick it is to get addicted, and like at first when I was in my early recovery, I didn't. I didn't understand how fast it was to get addicted to something or substance. And there was yeah. a guy that was, that was, that was talking and the counselor had asked him, we were in group therapy. The counselor had said, how many times had you used crack before you got addicted? And he said one time. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, what? That now, is see, insane. And, and see, here's what's funny too. A lot of people don't realize you know, you you develop a lot of these addictive personalities through genetics, man. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this is crazy to you or not that I'm a that I'm a opiate recovered addict, and my mom was a crack addict. Yeah, I I was literally four months premature. Yeah, it and, happened. You know, and people don't realize just how easily. That addiction can just come from you it being passed on to you, man. Oh yeah, my my mom and my dad were both addicts, and before them, same right. thing. And Nicole's parents were the same way; they were both alcoholics and and drug users at the time. And thank God they're they're better now. But you know, her dad's not. Her dad yeah. still drinks like a freight train. But you know. Yeah. I, it's not my place to judge. I, I I'm not there to to criticize. You know, because I've been I've been in your shoes. I know where you're at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I just feel like people should have more more understanding, more empathy, more empathy. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what was it like with the mental health um, side of it, man? Uh. The army wide or before the army? Whatever you want to share, brother. Before the army, I mean, man, I, I was in some pretty dark places, right? Uh, even after I had gotten that job that I told you about, I was still dealing with the mental side of it, having to deal with the fact that, oh wow, this is happening right now. I'm I'm better, but I'm not better. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh. When I got to the army, my mental health was slowly starting to deteriorate when I first came in. Yeah. Uh, my first couple months at Fort Bragg, I was literally treated as though I was garbage, man. I it was, and I'm not talking about like old school army or anything like that. I'm talking like I was treated like I was not a person. Yeah for the first couple months of my career. And then out of nowhere, I started to, I met Nicole Smith is what happened. (laughs) And she changed my life completely, man. Uh, I stopped drinking. Uh, Like I told you a second ago, I was drinking about a handle a night, man. And, and, you know, there's still been struggles within our marriage. We we've had two or three instances where I've just, gone off the rails again, man, drinking. And I've done a very good job at coming back from it. Yeah. And I'm not 
I'm not proud that I had to come back from it, but I'm proud that I came back from it. Yeah. Well, uh, that those those comebacks are what are what you know show that you're human. You know, there's there's a human element to it, and you know, and and that's why I love doing this show is seeing is seeing the the perseverance and the human yeah. element. Uh, hold on one second. <laughs> no worries. A little bit of an accident in the back seat. Oh no! No no. But uh. Uh, Nicole's gonna talk to you. No, no, no. Oh, I'll hold it. Go <laughs> hold it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've got to do something real quick. No worries. No worries. We're gonna have to edit this part out. That's fine. That's fine. Hey, this is gonna be my first time editing video, so it's all good, man. Sorry. It's all good. No, don't ever apologize. It's good. It's the good, puppy, homie. The puppy threw up on the floor in the back. Oh no. <laughs> Oh no! Yep. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that I'm glad that you're not uh that you don't have I'm, a weak stomach. I'm doing I'm doing real good, bud. Silence <laughs> right now. Did I mention how much I love my puppy? Yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. I did. I just wanted to make it clear to everybody out there. I, okay. I love my dog. Put that up. <laughs> Another one. And then wipe your hands. And that right there on your arm. You see it? Oh. You see it? What? Oh, yeah. Seen it with my own two eyes. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. <laughs> Let me come on back to y'all real quick. <laughs> now we're back from our brief intermission. Hold on, while we're this is the whole edited part. This this is gonna be your edited part because yeah. I gotta I'm give to, her my my Starbucks. Order. I'm about to order Starbucks. Too. Go for it, go for it. Goodness, Sean, I'm sorry for this. It's all good. It's all good. No it's worries. Life. This, this is, is life. This this is this is this is my life. Okay? This is real life. So even if you don't want to edit it out. <laughs> Leave it in there. Let people see the real Smith family because this is what our life is. Okay, we'll do authenticity purposes then. Hey, listen, con I don't really. Care. I'm, I'm gonna be real with y'all. I am. This is our family constantly. Okay. Chaos I, makes it go. You, you want your whistle? What you want? This? Come on, girl. Oh, there we go. Got it. All right. <laughs> oh, girl. No. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe success. All right. So, as y'all can see, my life is pretty chaotic. Uh, but we we're organized chaos is what I like to call it. Organized chaos. That's exactly it. That's, yeah. that's it right there. Uh, no, but getting back to where we were, uh, you know, man, Nicole came in and she changed my life in the army. Uh, I started to 
become that person that people depended on and become that that soldier that people could really rely on. Uh, and my sergeants noticed it very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they all were like, hey, who's this woman and what's she doing in your life? Because we like her. <laughs> whatever, whatever she's doing, don't let her leave. Keep her around. You got to keep her. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, man. I did. One thing that I stayed true to uh, my entire career and in my life is I, I, I very much so try to place my family's needs first. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of leaders couldn't handle that in the military. Uh, they couldn't handle the fact that I wasn't engulfed by work. Yeah. I could still get the job done and then go home and see my family and spend time with them. Yeah. And, and they weren't too fond of that. There was yeah. a lot of people who had a lot of a lot of uh, ill will towards me, if you will. Yeah. I was I was not the cool NCO. You get my drift. Mm-hmm. I was not part of the good old boys club. Yeah. But what I was was I was a good leader, man. I was a good person to turn to, and I I have soldiers that still to this day contact me on a normal basis to see how my life is going and to fill me in on how they are doing. Uh, I've made lifelong friendships through the military. And yes, I have felt some pretty strenuous mental health strains in the military. Uh, I've been to mental health in the army a few times. Hold on one second. No worries. I don't care if it's edited. Hello, folks. I'm getting Starbucks. <laughs> Get the Starbucks. Yeah, you want chocolate milk? Yeah, yummy, yummy. Okay, Mama, get you a fancy cup. Yeah, we like to make sure the whole family's got a nice little spread. Why not? Why not? Right? Right? If you're gonna go, yeah. Oh, snap. Right up out of my hand. It's all good. This is probably the most unorganized podcast you've had yet. Ah, it's all good. It's all good. A little off the rails. Uh, but basically, man, yeah, I went through some pretty bad mental health strains. Uh, I want the same thing. Yeah, grizzle and a cinnamon powder. Yep. There we go. Yep, I need the same exact thing okay. in hot. Uh, I look at it like this. Uh, I went to several mental health appointments in the army. And with my experience, I can't say this with, is with everyone's experience. Uh, I can say with my personal experience that the mental health facilities in the Army, A, number one, I did did not receive good care from them. Nope. Uh, And B, number two, I was automatically stigmatized as soon as I came back to my bedroom. Every time. Yeah. And 
it's it's bad, man. That's sad. Because you want soldiers and you preach and you preach. What is it, girl? What is it, mama? I know what you want. Okay. Goodness gracious. We're back. Uh, <laughs> uh, I feel like this. The mental health facilities were garbage. Uh, uh, every time I came back from a mental health appointment, I was labeled in the unit immediately. Uh, and I feel like if you're trying to tell soldiers... Hey, Layla. Hey, Layla. Hey, we're about to get your stuff, baby. Right here at the window. <laughs> right here. It happens. It's okay. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, yeah, no, my, my leadership at the time, I had some really good leaders about it and some really bad leaders about it. Uh Every time, though, if you're going to preach that you want soldiers, that is the fakest cry. Did you just hear that? <laughs> okay, I'll show you a real cry, Dad. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> I love it. I feel, though. She's the only one of our kids that... Like I feel though that if you're gonna push, push, push for soldiers to go to mental health, and that there's not gonna be a negative situation around it, then why every time a soldier comes back from mental health does the entire battery know about it by the end of the day? Yeah, that shit ain't nobody else's business but that soldiers, man. Mm -hmm. And the unfortunate part about it is. It gets spread out like wildfire to the point where people stop going to mental health because they don't want their business exposed. Yeah. And unfortunately, that was that was my experience with the Army's mental health. Oh, yeah. uh, I've, I've lost a lot of really close people to me in the Army. And I've watched a few go right before me. Um uh, so now, man, I take this shit very, very, very seriously. Yeah. Uh, you don't realize how quickly someone can do it, man. That's that's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it it literally can happen in a moment's notice. I I lost a I lost a a friend in Korea, man. I was taking care of this soldier. Like this was my what we like to call in the army, Sean, you know, this a, mm -hmm. a, project, a project soldier. Yeah. He was my next project. He was a work in progress, but he was, he was getting really good, man. And he just had a lot of, really? Yeah. Oh. We're next, mama. Anywho, uh, Geez, I just forgot. Uh, 
my friend in Korea, uh, I had I had got this soldier like completely framed up, man. He was he was about to be the next the next big thing. He's going to the boards, all the good stuff. And he just had a lot of really bad issues from home that were affecting him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would sit with him and I'd talk with him and we'd work through it. Well, one night he called me and he said, you know, sorry, I, I just feel like I don't have anything going for me. And I, I told him, you know, give me a minute. I want to I come over to your room. Let's talk about this. Yeah. And I came over to his room. You know, the NCO barracks are on one side and the soldier barracks are on in a different building, you know. Yeah. So I had to, I had to walk over there. It's a very short walk. And I get up there. I go to his room. We talk for like an hour. And, you know, where we had left off in the conversation, he seemed to be doing doing pretty good. Uh, I wouldn't say he was better, but he was doing all right. Yeah. And I told him, hey, man, uh, and I did the number one thing that you never do, man. And I, I didn't realize it until it was too late. I, I told him, hey, man, I, I want to go get this book for you from my room. I feel like it's a really good read for you. Mm-hmm. And I completely forgot the golden rule to this day. And I left and went to my room to grab the book. And by the time I came back, he was hanging from the shower. Fuck. And I I tried to slip him down. I tried to get him down, and it was too late. Uh, and his body collapsed in my arms. And about seven of my closest friends and sergeants were in the room when we had to bring him down and uh, get him set up for his funeral. And man, I, I tell you, if there's anything that I can tell people out there at all, that if anybody is listening and paying attention to this, the most important thing that I can tell you is you never know what someone is going through inside their head. They can be exactly like me, the nicest and happiest outward going person, or they could be like my wife more of a realist and an opt- than an optimist. She's more hard-focused, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what their personality type is. You never know what's going on inside their mind and what has happened to them. Yeah. Stop judging people, man. Let, let people be open to understand that you are there for them. And don't leave them whenever they need you the most. Yeah. When? Unfortunately, in today's society, a lot of people don't realize that not just with veterans, but men's mental health in general is declining over the years. It's getting yeah. worse and worse. Why? Because as men, we have to carry so much of the burden 90% of the time. Yeah. And, and for any guys that are out there listening, man, you're, you're not – you're not alone. I know what you're dealing with. I know where your head's been at. I know where I, I know the thoughts, the talking to yourself. I know the late nights where you don't understand why the room is ringing 
in your ear and you can't understand why the light's shining so hard in your eyes, even though it's just a regular light. Just understand that I know where you're at. I want you to understand that there is someone out there like you. You are not alone. Yeah. So I, <laughs> keep charging forward, man. Yeah. When I had my when I had my attempt, nobody knew at all. Um, I had no idea. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Um. So, little quick story. Um. I was the training room NCO in Alaska. And uh, this was when Beck and I first split up. Yep. And um, I got to that point where life was unmanageable. I was taking my meds, but I was drinking as well. And yep. because of the meds I was drinking, it gave me a higher tolerance. Yep. And I got to a point where I just had that fuck it moment and I didn't care about anything. But, yep. you know, the type of person I am, I'm a happy-go-lucky. I put a mask on. And nobody at work, I had some really close friends at work and nobody knew. Um, One day I took a drive out to a Creek um, and we were setting up a bonfire. I got this wild hair up my ass. And I said, I said, tonight, tonight's the night. And I thought about it and I thought about it. I thought about it, got my truck, drove down the road, um, and put my truck in a tree at 70 miles an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And when I woke up and I came to, I realized I needed help. And um, like the help that I hadn't received before, the help that I was running from. Right. And, um, you know, I got to that, you know, that point where I I realized it. My face was all banged up, dude. I had a swollen eye, abrasions under my cheek and everything. I looked like hell. But you never know what somebody's going through. You're absolutely right. You don't know what's going on between. No, man, you don't. And, and and the sad part about it is so many times we're so quick. She must have dropped her K-pop. It's right in her hand, baby. Psychopath. <laughs> just a little wild sometimes. Crazy. What I was saying is, man, like you said, no one ever knows the situation that someone's going through, but you also have to realize the words that you say can affect someone. Oh, yeah. Like, there's so many times that we just dismiss people. I'm learning this now with my children, okay? Yeah. And I feel like our generation of parents is trying to do that. We're actually trying to learn with our kids and, and learn from them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've learned so much from my son about being kind and patient to people. And if, if a six-year-old that's autistic can teach you how to be kind and patient, then why can a 30-year-old not figure it out? It's because we've been conditioned our whole life and they're they're innocent. Right. But but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You condition your mindset. Yeah. So if you condition yourself to be negative, you're gonna be negative. And I I don't know if 
people realize this, but you got to speak stuff into existence, man. You got to make it happen. And I feel like, like we were just talking about earlier, you were asking about the struggles that, that we went through, that we've gone through. And the bad part is, Sean, I haven't even gotten to me and Nicole yet. All I've told you about is my life before the army. Yeah. Since I've been in, man, we've gone through so much shit that a normal marriage doesn't go through. Mm-hmm. We've gone through things that most people will never go through in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you a, a few examples, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole had an atopic pregnancy uh, a month into us being married. Uh, she was rushed to emergency surgery in the hospital because her tube was about to explode. Uh, I had just married Nicole, and her son was with me, so they would not let me in the back. Mm-hmm. And when I say her son, I mean our son. Let me mm-hmm. make that clear. <laughs> hmm. uh, our son at the time could he was years old I had to stay out there with him he couldn't go to the back they had some like something about some screaming crap anyways uh, so here I am at a month into our relationship and I'm about to be a a, a male widow mm-hmm. and the doctor says we gotta get her back there now or you may never see her again we got back. They they did everything. Everything worked. It was fine. And a few months later, Nicole tells me she wants to try again. And if any of you guys are like me out there, I thought immediately, I no, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. And she was like, what are you talking about? I said, I don't want to try again. I don't want to try again right now. I, I don't want this to happen again. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified. And finally, she convinced me. And she, she came. This is where everything is crazy, John. We live in the house. In Tampa, with Nicole, pregnant Nicole, and Jay. In that time frame, our house was broken into twice. Uh, everything taken from our house. Uh, we moved from there. I at that time we were so broken that I was in the back door at the defect to eat every day because my kids were more my, my wife and my son was more important so I'll find a way to eat don't worry about it mm-hmm. and finally things started looking up I got I got promoted and money started getting a little bit easier just a little bit easier well there's a baby on the way we moved into another house because we, we, need to, we need to have space. We need to have a good position, right? Mm-hmm. 
into the south to rent it on Cliffdale Road, and within a month, the pipes burst underneath the house and completely flooded the house. Mm. Uh, the next day, the next the next week, Nicole and I moved into a, a lady's house that the lady said she would be coming to stay with Nicole for a little bit to make rehabs on the house, but wouldn't be staying there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we agreed. Well, then, after I deployed, which was about a week later, she was eight months pregnant. I deployed a week week later. Hold that for a moment. After we deployed a week later, uh, okay. Okay. All right. So after getting there and getting deployed a week later I get a phone call from Nicole who tells me uh, hey babe this this lady's trying to permanently move in and I said what are you talking about she just moved all of her kids into the house David she's got me Carter me Jay in this one bedroom and she's got the rest of the house for her kids. Wow. And I said, no, 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 that's not happening. So I called a moving truck and Nicole moved to Fort Bragg, moved on post to a, a neighborhood that doesn't even exist anymore, Biaza Ridge. Uh, we moved in there. It was great. We were doing great. We were doing fine. Yeah, the, the deployment was hard, but we were doing okay. I missed Carter's birth. Uh, so when she was getting ready to have the baby, uh, I was sent home two weeks earlier than I was supposed to because Sergeant Major of the Army Chandler had come out and announced that he was taking R&R from everyone. Hmm. Uh, so they sent me home two weeks early in the expectation of trying to get him to come. Well, man, we did everything. And the night before I got ready to leave, Nicole's water broke. So we rushed her to the hospital and the nurse says to Nicole, "You didn't. Your water didn't break. You peed the bridge. The bed. You peed the bed. Bridge. Sorry, I don't know why I said bridge. I saw bridge on the sign. It said <laughs> pee bridge. What the, what the hell? Anyway, you, you peed the bed. So Nicole and I are like, what? Hold on, hold on. Am I allowed to curse on here? Yeah, yeah, do it. All right." Uh, so we're like, what the fuck, what are you talking about? And 
the lady's like, yeah, no, this isn't your, your fluid. This isn't your water. So we bring Nicole home. And the next morning I got on a plane. I get on the plane. Nicole's got her appointment for her OBGYN that day. So she goes, goes to the OBGYN and the doctor tells her, she tells the doctor that she was at the ER the night before and that she believes that her water broke. And the doctor goes, she puts her up and she runs the test and she says, uh, there is zero amniotic fluid left. You mm. need to get to the hospital now. Before you have a stillborn. Before you have a stillborn. And then, then Nicole, you know, Nicole's being Nicole. She was hungry. So she, <laughs> so she tells her, well, can I eat first? Yeah, do you want a dead baby or a sandwich? That's what she said. <laughs> That's what she told her. Yeah. So Nicole rushed to the hospital and calls me on Skype and uh, tells me. So I watched the whole thing over Skype and then I fought with a four-star general for three days because I was stuck in Qatar. Mm -hmm. I was stuck in Qatar. I was going to be stuck there for weeks. I knew it. So I, I, I got on the phone, man, and I went to call her. Get you. I I could get you home. Yeah. Uh but if you're not back on the plane at the time you're supposed to be there, the day you're supposed to be there, you could consider yourself a wall and I'll be throwing you in Leavenworth. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Roger that. Let's do it. And we did it. Uh, I went home for three days and saw Carter. And then I came back. And whenever I came back home, Carter was nine months old. Mm. Uh, you know, after that. <laughs> so what's, what's even crazier was after that, I get back from deployment and I get Nicole pregnant. I get Nicole pregnant again and we're we're being told i'm not going to deploy i'm not going anywhere for a while because you know i have stabilization mm -hmm. well that's false uh because i got put on orders to korea so this time i actually got to see the birth for the first time it was fantastic mm. uh I got to see Ryan be born, and then a month later, I left to Korea for 12 months. Mm. I came home, and Ryan was 13 months old, and uh, I had missed everything. Mm -hmm. Korea was most definitely the hardest time in my career and marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, when I got to Korea, I was fine. Everything was going okay. And then 
just a lot of stuff started happening, man. And I had one drink. That's how it starts, right? Yeah. Just, just one won't hurt. Yeah. Just a, just a beer. A beer, a beer can't hurt. Yeah. And one beer led to five bottles of soju. Mm. And then next thing you know, it was jungle juice every night. And then next thing you know, it was Jack and Coke every day, every morning. Mm-hmm. And, and it just started to get worse and worse. And the whole time, what made it worse than anything, what made it worse than anything was I wasn't communicating with Nicole. I yeah. wasn't talking to her. I would call her on the phone and she wouldn't even want to look at me. Uh-huh. Because I was drinking and I had made a promise. I, I had made a promise to Nicole that I was not going to drink anymore. And I broke that promise. And in, uh-huh. as for any men out there that are in a relationship, once you break a promise, I want you to understand that you are going to be working to to fix that trust back for forever. And every woman is different. Every woman is different. Nicole has trauma with trust issues and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I don't think it would have been different for any other woman. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was not a good husband at that time. I was not a good father at that time. And when I came back from Korea, I vowed that I would be a better version of myself. That'll work, that'll do it. That'll do pig. That'll do <laughs> But but no man, uh I, I really look at it like this. There's there's so many different aspects of our of my career that I was I, I'm not gonna sit here and be the, the proud army boy that you know everybody wants me to be, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yes. I'm very proud of of my veteran status, okay? I'm very proud mm-hmm. of it. But at the same time, I know that it came at a cost. I know it. Uh, it definitely came with some some struggles and some trials, and it came with some people that I would never put into my life again. Uh, it came with some some struggles that I would never hope for in my life again. Yeah. Uh, and ninety percent of it was due to the army. Uh, yeah. You know. And I don't mean to be that guy at all, but I think you can understand where I'm coming from on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, most of my career, besides the, the last two years of my career, man, I, I got to be real. I had, I had some really good leadership, and I had some really, really, really bad leadership. And unfortunately, 
I had a lot of leadership that didn't just put their trust into me. And if they would have just put their trust in me and taken a shot, they would have seen what I was capable of. And I kept trying to push it, kept trying to push it. And then finally I took a shot on myself. Uh, The last two years of my career, uh, I got an offer from an LT friend of mine, a a good lieutenant friend of mine, to come and work for his company as the warrant officer for their battery. They were Mm -hmm. struggling, and he knew that I was very well-versed in my job. I know what I'm talking about. I know how to do this, no problem. Uh, So he he calls me, and he says, I want you to be the warrant. Mm -hmm. I said, Man, I've never done it before, but I'm not afraid of a challenge. If you can mm-hmm. get me over there, I promise you it'll be different than you've ever seen. And for the last two years of my career, I had a chain of command that was phenomenal. That that fully just let me run, man, and let me do it the Smith way. Because, yeah, I'm a little crazy, man, but I'm going to get that shit done and it's going to look nice when it's done. Like everybody Absolutely. looks at me and they think the they think the funny side of me, they think the 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 clever and the genuine and the happy side of me, right? But what they don't mm. see is the determined and the focused and I do not quit. There is no no quit whatsoever in David Smith. And I don't mean to sound like a bragger to anybody on here that's watching. Here's my motto, man. If you're not optimistic in life, if you don't have something to look forward to, you can't look forward. Okay? You can't move forward in your life if you are not trying to make a better situation out of the life that you have. Once you start doing that, once you realize that you are in the situation that you are in, and the only person that is going to get you into a better situation is you, that's when you start succeeding. That's when you start, you have to take a shot on yourself. Stop worrying about what other people are going to think about you. Because none of them are feeding you. None of them are, what now? What's the three? None of them are feeding you, financing, or fucking you. So yeah. if, they, if, they, if they ain't there for you, man, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm like this. I'm like this. As you've seen throughout the year, Sean, you know me. How mm-hmm. many friends do you see around me? Not very many. Very small circles, right? I mm-hmm. like to keep my, cir- my circle small because I know who I trust. I know who mm-hmm. I can depend on. I know who I can. But I also know that these same people I would give anything to. Mm-hmm. And I would give the shirt off my back. And you know that. Mm-hmm. You saw that firsthand. When, hell, how did we meet, Sean? <laughs> we met. Through- let, me, let me fill you in. And let's see if you remember, okay? okay. This, is, this is an old story. But me and Nicole got added to a Facebook group called DJAF, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And fun group, bunch of crazy people just be letting their emotions out and being wild, right? Mm-hmm. Cool stuff. Uh, we went to a bonfire that was held at Carrie's house. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the first time I met you, I remember walking up to you and going, 
I saw that you were wearing a wrestling shirt. And yep. immediately, I was like, oh, I like him. I like him. Because <laughs> you don't find many people who have the same interests like we do. So, especially being in the Army, like, it's always, oh, you're a nerd or this or that. So, hell yeah, man. I'm like, oh, this guy's solid. So, yeah. so I introduced myself and we met. And a week later, I don't know if you remember, we had started to become friends. So two weeks after that, you called me out of the blue, or not called me, you were on Facebook, mm -hmm. and you posted that you had a flat tire. Yep. And Nicole and I were like, without hesitation, hey, man, where are you at? Mm -hmm. We're coming right now. We don't yep. got the stuff to fix it, but we'll fix it. Yep. We'll figure it out. And what did we do? We went and got a fucking jack from the tire <laughs> shop that was across <laughs> the road. Raised it up and we got that sucker fixed, man. Me, that we did. Me, you, and uh, White Byron. White Byron, yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but, we did. That pops up on my memories on Facebook. I'm like, holy shit. But what I'm, what I'm trying to make clear to everybody is, like, man, my heart is genuine. I, mm -hmm. I, love, I love the people I love. You know what I mean? And, and some people aren't going to like the decisions I make, and that's fine. You don't have to like my decisions. You don't have to like me as a person. It's very easy for you to keep on scrolling, man, and not look my way. If you don't like what you see, keep going. Yeah. But I will never change who I am to make you happy. That's, that's not how this works. There's only one person in this world that I have changed to make happy. And that's my my wife and kids. Mm -hmm. The only people I will change for to make happy. Absolutely. Besides me, of course. Yeah. I, I I feel like men as as men we just need to continue to grow, and as women we need to continue to grow and be better person, be be kinder to our kids, be kinder to the earth, and kinder to the people around you. Like man, we just don't have to be such hateful people to everybody all the time oh 100 100 i i believe kindness is the key I, I really do i truly do and and you know we all have our moments we all slip we're all gonna be aggravated we're all gonna have our our moments where we want to say hey what's it feel like to be a fucking idiot but can't always say that you know that's that's what makes us human you know and, and, you know, the other part about it, I know for a lot of guys that are out there that are veterans, I know how hard it is for you to not want to talk to someone like you did when you were in the Army because they say something really fucking stupid and you want to ask them who, who fucking defected them at the factory. But, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you just have to remember that everybody serves a purpose on this planet. What yes. that purpose is exactly, we don't know. Maybe that purpose is for you to grow patience. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe that was put in your path. Maybe an annoying-ass person was put in your path to test your patience. To see if you can be a patient person. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. Oh. 
I believe everybody serves a purpose in the world and everybody has a place in the world and it all depends on on how they interact with each other with each other and and fill that role absolutely i i just had a, a cute moment i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's all about hey man uh, i can tell you man since we moved out here it's been it's been amazing now hey, obviously for all those people thinking i'm just talking about there being good times there's obviously bad times out there I, I have been through them for the last 10 years, 11 years. Actually, I mean, man, I don't want to go into the full story, but my childhood was rough, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can't say a, a, a lot, but I can't tell you abuse is real. I can tell mm -hmm. you that uh, narcissism is real. And I can yeah. tell you that, uh, you know, people will try to manipulate you, whether they're blood or not. And... It's a sad situation that it has to be like that sometimes, man. But Absolutely. Uh, I feel like, how do I put this nicely? I feel like, I feel like you're put here for a purpose. Everybody is put on this earth for a purpose, right? My purpose, I feel, is to spread positivity, to bring mm -hmm. people's life. To, to even when I, and that's the bad part. This is what y'all need to listen to. Those people that are giving you all of this sunshine and happiness and being that person for you, check on them. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, just take a second to say, hey, man, you doing all right today? Like, really? Are you really okay? Because at first they're going to tell you, yeah, oh, yeah, man, I'm fine. No, no, no. Like, really? Are you okay? Because yeah. those people out here, man, like us good joy bringers, we're struggling too. We just Absolutely. have a better way of getting it pushed down. Mm -hmm. And the bad part is now I'm not pushing it down no more. I don't hide it. This is me. I'm raw and this is my emotion. You know? Yeah. If people call me what they want to, I'm a man that Look, I'm going to be real straight honest. I'm a man that cries. I have no issue in saying out loud that I'm a man that cries. You are not weak if you cry. You are not You are not <laughs> in the wrong emotion if yep. you cry. You are validated. You are okay to cry, man. Like, I know your dad and your, your parents and stuff tell you suck that shit up. You'd have to keep on moving along and act like everything's fine. You don't have to do that no more. I've cried more in December and early this month than I ever have in my life. Man, I, I and it's good. Yeah. And it's good. It's the best feeling after you just get that fucking emotion out. Absolutely. Because you hold that shit in, and it's going to happen eventually anyways, but it's going to be in a more negative and chaotic and destructive way. Absolutely. And, and I feel like, guys, y'all need the guys and the women out there that are listening to this, man, y'all really need to pay attention. I want y'all to make sure that y'all are listening to the fact that it's okay to have feelings. It's okay to have emotions, man. It, and mm -hmm. I don't mean by that is, it's not okay to be coddled, but it is okay to have emotions and be able to deal with them in a, a good, healthy way. 
Absolutely. And if your way is going out in the backyard and screaming fuck you to the neighbors at two in the morning, <laughs> hey man, that's your way. Do your thing. Yeah. If your way is sitting in the closet and just meditating and sitting and thinking about life and if if your way is writing stuff down, I know my way is music. Why do you think I'm always singing, man? Mm-hmm. Because the music lets the pain out. All yep. the words that I want to say are in the songs that I hear. Yep. So, guys, it's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Let yourself Absolutely. be vulnerable. Because once you're vulnerable to someone, you will see their true version of themselves. Yep. The right Absolutely. version that you want to see. Mm-hmm. If I had not been vulnerable with Nicole when I met her, and I mean, John, I was next level vulnerable. Let me tell you what happened with me and Nicole. Mm-hmm. We got married. Let me just break that one down real quick. So mm-hmm. Nicole and I met on Zeus, okay, mm-hmm. online about, let's see now, almost 10 years ago, okay? Mm-hmm. I messaged her one time. And I said, listen, I don't have a subscription to this. I don't plan on getting one. This is my phone number. I'd really like to talk to you. You're absolutely beautiful. He sent me a message back later that day, and we talked on the phone for four hours. Mm. Next thing you know, we met each other eventually. We finally met each other. I went back to her house for the weekend, and that weekend I proposed to her. And a lot of people think I'm crazy for this. But I just knew mm-hmm. Nicole was who I needed. If you know, you know. And Nicole said, you know, yes, yeah, sure, I guess. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. And then I got ready to go to the field for a four-day, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's that next Monday. And, man, my emotions were so heavy that I just let it out. Every woman before Nicole had cheated on me. So I have a lot of trust issues. I have a lot of insecurity when it comes to cheating. And I have never checked her phone like that. I've never had to ask. I haven't, I I don't need to check anything. I know where you're at. I, 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 I trust in my heart and I believe and I know where you're at. Yeah. So. For me, it was like this was supposed to be this way, right? Yeah. But so we got we got married, and we've been together ten years now, right? Mm-hmm. But all of that that vulnerability that night. So let me explain what happened. I had been cheated on by every girl. So mm-hmm. and she and I were saying goodbye to each other. Out of out of nowhere, all these bottled up emotions came spewing out and I start hysterically crying and she looks at me and says I'm not going anywhere and that was it that was it for me yeah. I knew right then and there this is what I need this is what I have to have and mm-hmm. it's been hard work man don't get me wrong marriage is fucking hard work you know that just like yeah. I do but we, you gotta have communication 
partner is key, man. If you ain't got a partner, it ain't gonna work. That's the whole definition of partner. Facts. And marriage, for all those people listening, marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is 100% and 100%. If you're not willing to give 100% of yourself all the time, then you're not really wanting to be married. Yeah. And if you're not willing to bring in more percent when that person's lacking and they're struggling, that's not that's not a true marriage. So definitely look into that. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But before we go, before we go, do you have any words of advice or suggestions for anybody that's going through some shit and or they might be they might be uh, struggling a little bit? Uh, I think my best advice that I can give you is that there's always going to be a brighter road ahead. I know you hear that cheesiness and that corniness. People say it all the time, man. But the best way that I can explain it is that if I'm any testimony to the fact that you can go through major, major struggles and still bounce back and still get to a good place. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a fine example, man. I went from nothing. I had nothing when Nicole met to the point where we were both severely in debt. Now I have it to a point where I don't have to worry about anything for my family. If you can't tell me that perseverance doesn't work and that the brighter days aren't there, man, I, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know how else to show you but just let you let you watch the journey. Come and come and follow my Facebook. For anybody that's watching out there, y'all want to find out how crazy life can be? Follow my page for a year, and I guarantee you, you will see some of the craziest stuff happen you've ever seen. I have watched your growth, man. It's amazing. It really is. I appreciate that, brother. And I've watched your growth. I've seen you. Go from being in the military as a respected staff sergeant to getting out and effectively helping how many veterans across the globe yeah. that are dealing with real, real issues, man. So I want to say thank you personally for having me, and I want to say thank you for what you're doing. You're, you're a great cause, man. You're helping people that really need to be. So I hope thank that I've helped someone today maybe this has made an impact in your life message me want to talk to me on facebook i'm available anytime all right dave thanks for being here man i really appreciate it very inspirational story very very strong comeback i really appreciate you being here absolutely brother hey i love you man take care and if you need anything always holler all right i love you man thank you and everybody Thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Real quick, shameless plug real quick. If you want to support the channel, um, go to patreon.com forward slash sitting with Sean. It's going to help out um, get more products, you know, like better microphone, stuff like that, better headphones, stuff like that. I don't go and blow my money on useless, dumb stuff. It's only to put back into the channel. So I appreciate everybody for being here, everybody for hanging out with us. And I love every single one of you guys. You guys have a good day. Till next time. Yeah, Much bro. love.